welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Good evening, everyone. Sunday night, Sunday night teacher talk. We don't care if it's Super Bowl Sunday, especially if the Eagles aren't in the Super Bowl. So I don't care as much. Um, but welcome, everybody. Uh, so here's the gig. Um, I don't know. I, I'm literally like I just walked in the house from my run uh, day 56. I'm doing 365 days uh, this year um, of running. And that's so that's where we are now. Um, let me see this situation. Live chat. There we go. Um, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Or as I, a Cleveland Browns fan, call it just another Sunday. Yep. I we're sorry for that. Uh, what's up, Karen? Leah Pratt. So I don't know. Here's the thing. I wasn't even sure if anyone would be on here this Sunday, um, unless you do not watch football, because I just figure everyone is uh, drunk by now. And, at you know, we at parties and we are home doing live feeds on YouTube. So uh, I'd be willing to. I am sweaty. I can see it Look, glistening in the light. I don't think that's sweat. That's no. I don't know. A drop of rain. It's maybe. <laughs> So, um, in, so Karen's in Armenia, oh. so they don't have the Super Bowl there. Uh, <laughs> but if you, you know, I'll talk about anything and if no one comes on and it's the four of us, I don't know, maybe we should just do a phone call instead. Um, so that's kind of like what I'm thinking of. So look, you know, if people are watching this as part of the rebroadcast, something I want to share that I think is really interesting is this Facebook group that we've created, which is, what is it called? Real Rap of Reynolds Teacher Talk or something like that. Um, and it is like a continuation of the live chat on here. So like if you're on here and this is like you're connecting with people or you want to ask something a little bit more private or you want to delve into something a little bit deeper, the that is a great place to go. And so you go on, it's a closed group, which means only people that the not-so-secret wife lets on there are on there. I let and, everybody on there. Um, and so what, what that means is what we're trying to cut out is like just companies coming in and like trying to, to, to sell their stuff. Um, we're trying to stop. Um, there's like no politics. There's no like, it, it's just, it's a space just for teachers, just for people in the world of education. And even if that's, I think there's a senior in high school somewhere in America that's on there that wants to be a teacher. He wants to start talking about it now. Go for it, man. Um, if you're in college, if you're a student teacher, if you used to be in education, like it's just a safe space for people to share ideas and ask questions and stuff like that. And it's been awesome so far. Like just love on there all the time. So, um, yeah, it's exclusive. Yes, exclusive. Richard Royster, what's up, man? Um, what else am I looking at? This is uh, everybody's watching the Super Bowl right now. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what else? Should I talk about my other thing? What's the other thing? With Adam Alcombe? No. No. Not yet. Why? He knows. Uh, you can. Richard Royster mowed his yard. First of all, the fact that you even have to mow your lawn in February is mind-boggling to me. Um, Yes. Uh, three days ago, polar vortex. Yeah. I went running in a t-shirt and a sweatshirt just now. And that is the other day I had three so nice. pairs of pants on. I had my manitards on and three pairs, two pairs of sweatshirts. What's happening with our kids are doing right now? 
our kids, if you live in the city, right out my door, uh, we have three steps that go down. My children took all the snow from the block that they could still find, put it on the steps. So it's just filling in the steps and making it smooth. And then they are sledding down to the street. So there's literally one strip of snow left around and it's on my stairs yes. and shooting out into the sidewalk that the kids try not to go in the street and get killed. Yeah. So the job of the person not sledding is you need to stand in the street and make sure no one's coming and then the other person can sled down the steps. So, you know, that's a it's ridiculous city living right there. That's a, It's kind of looks like uh, Home Alone a little bit. That, that scene from Home Alone. Um, so Jules, what's on? Uh, oh, Richard Royster said leaves mostly. Um, so look, if there's anything, look, I, I mean, everyone on here is always on here. And so I'm, you know. Well, maybe you talk something about not, not necessarily teacher talk. What would you like me to talk about? I don't, I'm saying maybe they have questions that are not teacher talk. Related. Do you want to talk about teacher talk no, stuff? Hell no. Um, you're going to do that. I don't know how to even bring it up. Just don't bring it up. Okay. So, gosh, let, let me ask you, let me ask you this question. You can just think about it now. If, for those of you that have followed me for a while, like I know Tracy's been following me for a while. Leah Pratt's been on here for a while and stuff like that. Um, oh, Hell's teachers on here too. So I am wondering, um, since this is like a focus group and you don't have to answer this now, but I got approached the other day, did, did a phone call with someone the other day, like I asked to write a book. And so I've been asked to write a book a bunch of different times, but I'm just like, it's not like my jam, but what I'm realizing the more I do YouTube, Instagram, all the stuff, like putting all this content is that it's somebody's jam. Like it is really something that like people, like that's how they consume information. And so like, if that's the gig, then I'm going to do it. And so what it became was, you know, writing down notes for the last two days of like stuff that like how to focus what I've learned into a book. And I'm not like, you know, so it's, it's a weird thing, first of all, to write, to create a YouTube channel about yourself, but then to write something, um, you feel like you need to have the audacity to actually think that you know something to write a book. Uh, so I, I do, I have that audacity. I have in certain areas of my life, a lot of confidence in other areas of my life. I have zero confidence. Um, so if, if you could message me or leave a comment or you could email me or whatever, if you've ever heard about something that you wish people would talk about in education that they don't, or you've heard a story of mine that you think has been sort of powerful, um, I think most of what I think I would write about is stories. I don't share a lot of stories of individual students of like things that have happened over the years on online like like i just don't put people's stuff out there i don't that something about that feels weird but something i'm putting into writing where i can really control the narrative and like edit it and really look at it more than once um feels safer to me mm -hmm. uh and it wouldn't be about any students that i currently have it would only be students that like i've had in the past and then touch base with them of course but like that's kind of what i'm uh what i'm thinking about um lately and it's like consuming my brain uh richard Royster saying question for cj or anyone what are one the most important work related apps you to use other apps you find invaluable outside of work um i jeez for work i use i mean aside from social media um zipgrade 
I really, really like. Uh, I'm not, I'm not real big on. In my ideal world, I would not do multiple choice tests at all, ever. I just, it's, I, I think multiple choice tests are good because they're a fast way to check for for understanding, but they're also like, um, what, what else would I say about them? It is what you're going to see on the SAT, on, on, you know, in Philly, it's the Keystone test, like that's our state assessment. So like, zip grade just allows me to grade things in a way faster form where you just like, like scan your paper and it's like a scantron, but it's like instantaneous. It, it grades it and it captures the student's name. You can have them divide it up into periods and stuff like that. So, and it's, I don't have to, I didn't have to learn how to do it. It was like a, like a 60 second learning curve or something like that to be able to do it. Um, and that's really useful to me. Um, I know a lot of people that use Quizlet. Uh, I don't use a lot of technology. Not all of my students have phones. So, you know, more of my apps are like getting ready for the day. Like the Calm app, I really like. I like Headspace um, for meditating in the morning. I'll use occasionally, uh, but that's it. And I have the PowerSchool apps because we use PowerSchool and Audible if I want stuff for students that I think um, have a really hard time reading. But that is, that's it. I don't use anything else. Flipgrade, I've heard a lot about Flipgrade. Uh, Planboard, I'm not sure what Planboard is. Flipgrade, play posit, my fitness pal. Yeah, I have a running app too. Well, now I just have a, I bought a, uh, Wife for Life got me a um, Fitbit for Christmas. So I use that for writing now. Um, no. Summer Tate said, please write a book. Process though. Uh, I like Zoe. Zoe's comment. Where? Zoe. Oh, that's moving. Oh, I would definitely appreciate a book. I feel like real life stories in that form would help illustrate why you do what you do in the classroom more. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, is that pronounced Zoe? That was Zoe. There's no Y on it. It's an E. Zoe. E. You, you're asking the wrong person when it comes to house in this house. So. We none of us. <laughs> uh, Michael Sylvia is saying, "Hey Reynolds, what's your greatest hits of cooperative learning activities? Looking to beef up my literary analysis discussions with the ninth graders. What would what would love, would love recommendations of activities that would work? So, cooperative learning activities. Um, it depends on what I'm doing. So, like this week, uh, we're doing imagery, and so one of my favorite like activities to do with around imagery is." I play, there's a really great poem called A Finger, Two Dots, and Me by Derek Brown. And that is, it is so packed with like really great imagery. And it is, um, it was a, he got the idea from, I mean, the, this is kind of a longer version of it, but like we got the idea of, I believe it was a father and son laying in a park, looking at the stars one night. And then the father, um, killed his real it was in the newspaper killed his son and then committed suicide and so when Derek read that story um he decided to take that idea and flip it and instead it was like two people that were in love like could be father and son could be you know boyfriend girlfriend kind of a thing husband and wife uh, but they instead um imagined like what it would be like when when this is over like when when life is over and you're like so if you turn into energy or something and you're zipping around space and it's really, really great. And so to do that, 
I let the students lay anywhere that they want all over the floor in my room, on the tables, on the windowsill. We turn down the lights. And the only rule is you're not allowed to talk because you're going to break the suspension of disbelief for someone else. And you're not allowed to move. Like once you're in a spot, just stay there. And then try and see what is happening in your head. So we do that. I also do one with Lord of the Flies where um, in the beginning of the book, we pretend that the boys crash landed on an island and they have to put their heads down. And I play jungle music in the background, jungle sounds, not music. And I read this narrative piece about like you crash landed on an island. Um, it's extremely hot. Like we walk through like what it would, what it would be like to, to crash land on an island. And then when they kind of sit back up and get back in their desks, they just have to write um, what is the first thing that you would do and what's kind of going through your head. And do you think that the point that there's no parents, there's a good thing or a bad thing. So they write down those answers. And it's a really great thing because it's almost like meditating with the students because they're, they're sort of forced to be quiet. And then that calm translates over to their, to their writing. And it's those two activities I find I get far more participation from because everyone had a moment to just to just chill before like going into the to the writing piece um other than that i like a lot of like i like making posters and stuff like that I like projects in the classroom for anything i think you can do this with just about anything you essentially just take a worksheet and turn it into a poster where it's this large like poster board size paper i have tons of it in my room rip it off give it to a group and they have to like chart it out and write all of their answers on there. I just find that that kind of stuff gets the kids up and moving and standing and writing and working together. And when you're standing against a wall, I had a teacher tell me this one time that taught math. And she said all of her work as much as she could was written on the whiteboards. And in her room, all she had was whiteboards across the front and whiteboards down the side. And that was it. She didn't have any other classroom decor in her room. And the reason for that was she wanted the students at the board doing their work because it did a couple of things. One, it made it so she could see right away like what people were doing and if they were doing work. Two, it got the kids out of their seats and they were standing. And three, it cut down the line of sight for other students. So they weren't looking at one another. They were simply looking at the board and they could maybe look to the left or right to talk to someone, but it cut out the rest of the audience in the class. And she could just stand in the center and see like how everyone was doing, how they were progressing, what they got right, what they got wrong. And I just thought that was fascinating. And if I could do that on at least one other side of my room, I think I would do that a lot more is have students out of their seats. I love that stuff. Um, anything else? What are your most popular, wait. That one, the first one, oh. on the top. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, so Karen is saying, what are your most popular YouTube posts? Would they flow together as a book? So partially, YouTube, if you look at any YouTuber, because I look at this stuff, any YouTubers, um, whether it's Lettered Classroom or Five Foot One Teacher or Pocketful Primary, all of our top videos are, are either classroom tour, classroom makeover, um, anything that begins with a number. So like five ways to handle classroom management, 10 ways to best keep organized in your classroom. Like people like numbers. And then uh, what's the other one that we were saying the other day that we looked at? There's one more that's like a big classroom. Oh, stuff. it's, it's like, yeah, stuff. it's like uh, outfit of the day stuff. So like the, the tactical stuff doesn't translate as big on YouTube. 
but that so that's why I think like um in a book it would be really great. So it wouldn't be like tips and tricks necessarily. I don't think it would be more like kind of how to capture the magic in your classroom, how to relate to students that are unrelatable, how to connect with with kids and staff, how to make your day kind of like more magical um, is what I'm thinking about. It would, it would be about. Oh, yeah. Somebody just gave us $5. It sure did. Yeah. Somebody just, that's five pounds. That's 10 US dollars. Ooh, ooh, thank you. Cause you know, that I money in it. England is worth, it's gold it's, in the US. Come up, like, um, no name came up though. So thank you. whoever did that, thank you very much. Oh no. There it is. Marine. Marine. Simmons, is that how you say that? Love the channel. Thanks for all the help rounds. Thanks. Oh, thank I you. really I appreciate that. That's really awesome. Um, yeah. Richard De Luna is saying, Mr. Hey, Mr. Reynolds, uh, greetings from Mexico. Nice. Love Mexico. Um, I think that the most difficult kids to work with are the middle schoolers. Do you agree? So I think all students are difficult. I think the reason middle school kind of gets a rap for that is is the same that like ninth graders do also. They are going through such a huge change in their lives, right? So like, uh, I think, you know, a couple of things there. One, depending on the type of school that you're in, seventh and eighth graders are probably at the top of the food chain in their particular school, right? So like you're getting that confidence of being like the oldest kids. I think also your body's going through a lot of changes, you know, like puberty is a real thing. And, and when you start going through it, you are moody or angry or anxious or energetic or whatever, but it is, there's that wrapped up into it too. I think more than anything though, it is kids not blindly following what their parents and other people have told them their whole lives. So they're looking for their own voice, right? I think that's why around that age, you start seeing kids like wanting their own haircut, wanting to dress the way that they want to dress, like dyeing their hair, having mohawks, getting dreadlocks, like whatever it is. That's the first time you usually start seeing that where you're listening to music. That's your own. You're watching TV shows that your parents go, I don't understand this. This show seems dumb. And you're like, that's right, mom. Cause I'm, like badass now or something. I think that as teachers though, I love that age because it's both the end of that childhood innocence. So you still get to tap into a little bit of that stuff. And you're also having the opportunity to, um, to guide that, that voice to tell them like, it's okay. Like talk about it, share those ideas, like be different than everyone else. Awesome. But how are you going to do that? Um, in like a, I guess like a responsible way. Like you're not like, don't just go out and like start doing dumb stuff, like trying drugs and drinking and stuff. Like how else do you like, do you find your voice? And then knowing that your voice is okay. Do you don't have to have anybody else in your class that agrees with you, but your voice is okay. So I, I think that's, that's part of that also, but um, that's it. Oh, for when that goes live. Yeah. So if you didn't get a notification for going live, if you go on the channel, there's a little bell at the top, hit the bell, and then that will send you a notification every single time. And then just make sure your push notifications are set on your phone or your computer so that that pops up. Um, so yeah, if it, if you had that set up and it didn't do it, I'm not really sure why. That's weird. Um, Kristen, I have no... Ivanova, Ivanova. Yeah. That's it. I'm going with it. Um, she's like, just call me Kristen. Um, no. <laughs> so, 
When do you recommend uh, applying or letting your school know that you're interested in a teaching position? I'm a para now, but I desperately want to be a lead teacher again. I would just bring it up in conversation. Like, I, I don't think that there's, I, I don't think that there's like a, a good or bad move, but what that's going to do is put you on their radar and then just lean into that. Just make sure you're being helpful. I, I think, you know, Steve Martin, one of my favorite quotes, maybe probably one of my favorite quotes of all time, definitely my favorite Steve Martin quote is be so good. They can't ignore you. And so when you're a para somewhere, like you need something extra, you need someone to chaperone the dance, go on the class trip, do a little bit extra work, come in a little bit early, stay a little bit late. And then without asking for attention, I just think like showing up um, a little bit, like making sure people see that. And so I think some of the ways you do that, you know, two really bad movies that I'm going to pull from. And one is because someone referenced this the other day and made me think about it again. If you've ever seen Legally Blonde with Reese Witherspoon, um, there is a scene where she's going for a job and her resume is on pink paper and she has some kind of like, it was a perfume, perfume right? On. Sprayed on it. I love, like, I'm not saying you should hand in a pink resume, but that's up to you. I just think that that scene in that movie showed me that like the importance of like setting yourself apart uh, and doing something like special and over the top. And then the other one is, was it called the intern? I think with Robert De Niro, right? It was like Robert De Niro goes to work at like some hipster startup company or something, but where oh, that's and he's older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. Movie. And so I really the reason I love yeah. that that so movie is, but he finds the white space, right? He yeah. finds like in the movie there's a table that has like all this crap all over it that people it's essentially like the drunk junk drawer of the company and the boss hates it. And every day she walks by and she sees it and annoys her and he's attuned enough to realize that that's something that bothers her. And then he takes care of it. He doesn't ask for congratulations. He doesn't tell anybody that he did it, but word gets back to the boss and that puts him on the radar. And I think all schools have those things. So what is that thing in your school that needs some care or attention or, and like, you know, what could you do to like, to fill that white space and then you stand out. So that's how I would start doing it. So then they know what you're looking for, but then they see that you're trying and doing cool stuff. Um, that's the same question that I just answered. Dude, are you even doing the job right now? Come on, yes. girl. Can you believe it's still light out right now? No, I know. I thought the same thing earlier. It's crazy. And it was like 50 degrees today. It felt like summer. Like when it's been zero degrees, 50 degrees feels like, man, the kids don't even need shirts on today. Well, all right, that would be weird. But yes. uh, Summer Tate is asking, have you ever had a student or students that was so disruptive, rude, and ruining the learning environment of others that you had to transfer them to another class? I'm trying not to, uh, I'm trying not to have it get to this point. Uh, yeah. So I have had students where, like, I just cannot figure them out. Um, and I feel like I've exhausted all my resources. And at that point, I think sometimes the change is good. So you're not, it, it does not come down to whether or not you, Summer, are good enough of a teacher to keep that student in. It's what's best for the student. And so even when my school's ever like asked a student to leave and go somewhere else, right? I Part of me hates that. Part of me hates when a kid gets like, no one's ever gotten kicked out of our school, but they like strongly recommend that students leave so that they don't have that on their record, right? And I, you know, what I think of when I think of that is like, there are, I mean, I've met teachers over the years that are like, 
yo, we got to kick this dude out. We got to kick this guy out. We got to kick this kid out. And I'm never for like kicking someone out. I'm for where is the student going to do best? So like maybe this just isn't the spot for them. Maybe my class isn't the, the place for them. Maybe they need something different than what I provide. And because I don't have to be the best teacher for everyone. I can try to do my best, but sometimes it's just not, it's just not a good fit. And so where is that student going to excel to get the, the everything that they need? That's what you have to think about. So, um, and because all teachers are different, maybe like another class is just better. So if you think about asking a student to transfer or talking to their parents or talking to admin, say, I'm not really sure that my class is the best fit for the student. Here's why. And then do a little research and maybe talk to another teacher and say, you know, this teacher has this, this, and this in place. It might be better. They might have smaller classes. They might have a cooperating teacher in there, something along those lines. That's what I would bring it down to. So it's never your inability. It is what's best for the kid. Uh, Elena Asher is asking, what do you think about, um, what do you think is the hardest month to be a teacher? January is about, is just about killed me to get through. So what's that? I think it said, why do you think it's the hardest month? Oh. Oh, yeah. What do you yeah. think is hard? Sorry. Yo, bro, I, read. I, read. Um, <laughs> I think February for me, I made a video last month called February Funk. And it is like, so I think different months have different challenges. In the US, I think September is difficult because it's like you're not really teaching. You're like doing all that pre-crap. And I don't like that. Um like talking about syllabus and stuff like that. Uh, December is like right before winter break. So then you have that kind of all that emotion that kids have about like, where am I spending the holidays? And is my dad around? And did someone die? Or like, are my parents divorced? And I hate this time of year, like all that stuff. I think right before spring break is tough because the kids know they're going on spring break. I think right after spring break is tough because everyone's just looking forward to the summer. Right. So I think February can be the most difficult. Um, but that's also because like it's hard to get out of the classroom. It's hard to go outside. It's hard to go on trips because it's so nasty and in Philly anyway. It's like everything's slushy and gross and like it's cold. So you just can't do that stuff. And no one's getting sunlight, man. Sunlight is an important thing in your life to go outside and get. And if you're not getting sunlight, it and I know affects my mood all the time. So yeah, I but for me it's February. Um, but and then I just try and will it into existence. I have great, great stuff coming up in February. Like we're going to see Gary Vee again. We're going back to see my friend Mac Primo in New York. Um, I'm hoping to go meet Oliver Jeffers this month. And so there's all this cool stuff coming up. I have uh, conferences that I'm speaking at and stuff like that, but it's just like, I, I don't, I think it's the weather. I really like warm weather. I really, too. we're supposed to live in California. All right, let's go staring at you oh on the live feed you want to say let's go do not even start that conversation right. uh hales teaches saying any advice on maintaining motivation in uh in urgent in a current job i think she's okay oh oh in a current job while prepping for a new job after easter i really want to do my best for both um so look i would say i would treat your current job like an experiment um what what can you try? What lessons have you never thought to try? Or maybe you didn't have the courage or maybe you were worried about what other people would think. Like I would just go nuts. And, and I mean, the upside of that is like you leave that job, like being the best version of yourself. The second is you could totally fail at something and it could be a flaming disaster. But um, 
I, I just think that that's a good practice to get into. And I don't think that you're like leaving that school with a disaster, but you are learning to tap into that place that allows you to be better than ever. And that to me is like, that's how I would want to, like, if I knew I was leaving my current job, I would just go all in and just do the craziest stuff. Like the, you know, cause you're not going to have to deal with that. You know, that class that like everyone, I feel like every once in a while I get a class where like, they're so apathetic. It's just like takes the juice right out of the class. You don't feel like doing anything fun in there, but if you know you're leaving, it's like, man, I'm leaving anyway. Let's just like get down and like really do it. So that's what I would do. I'm laughing at that question. I didn't know why. Uh, Carrie Hilliburton. Man, we are, I'm so great with names. I'll tell you. I can really destroy that. I could be like, Sue. So, Sue. Um, so, Carrie is asking, would you explain how you use participation points in class? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I get this question so much. And I swear I made a video about this, but even I can't find it. So when people email me, I wanted to shoot them the video. And I, over the last couple of days, even because I was- We literally worked on this today. Yeah. So people that like I've been mentoring always want to know about the points also. And so, because we do like, if you're interested, we do like a paid mentorship where like, um, I do a phone call with you once a week, twice a week, however long you think you need it. And then we work through things like your organization in your classroom, how you, um, classroom management tips, like preparing for lessons, like lesson ideas, breaking down your curriculum and seeing like, what's a, what are some cool things that you can implement? So I just had this conversation this week with people. So that's why I'm laughing about it. Uh, how do I do points in my class? You've mentioned kids get six points a day when they show up. Do you submit those grades daily? Uh, when my kids lose those points. So the point system is really, it really comes out of two things. One, unfortunately, rather, uh, students, like, they are more affected by the word, even me saying points, than they are by any sort of intrinsic motivation. It's always extrinsic motivation. We try and work on that through the year. But, you know, the truth is, like, if you tell a kid like, yo, I need you to sit down and they don't. But if you go, bro, if you don't sit down, I'm taking off a point for some reason that works. It's like my dog sitting over there. So I hate to say this. It's like whenever I tell the dog, do you want a treat? His head perks up immediately. Like what treat? Like I'll take a treat. So whenever you incentivize something, it just works. And I, I hate that part of me really doesn't like that. But, you know, I know that I incentivize things. So in my own life, um, so if I run, I can eat a donut. But if I don't run, I can't have a donut. So the thing is, it's um, four points a day. That I, that's how I do right now. It, it does shift from time to time. It has been five, has been six in the past. If you're late to class, let's say, without a pass. And I, and I know that you're that dude that just shows up late every single day because they're screwing around in the hallway. You lose half a point. If you... Um, are sleeping in class, I might take a point off. If you are consistently talking when I'm talking, it allows me to take off points. Now, kids can gain points too by having like a really great answer. And sometimes they're for arbitrary nonsense stuff, right? Like the other day, somebody knew what dirty dancing was and then used it as an example in their writing. And I was like, bro, that was just brilliant. I'm giving you an extra point for that. So it it doesn't even, it like, it's something that I write down on my seating chart every single day, how many points someone got or how many they lost. Right. So essentially classroom dojo, but the Amish version. And then um, you like that. Here's the good thing. You know, you're not offending anyone that's Amish. Because they're not on the internet. Um, so they, 
you're, you're recording that stuff. And then at the end of the week, it goes in out of 20 points and it allows kids to see for each week what they got as a classwork grade. The other thing that I like is that some kids really try hard. They have good questions. They participate all the time. They really want to do good work, but it's the assessment piece that really gets them down, right? Like they just have a hard time like doing homework well. They'll do it, but it's not done well. The tests are, are a struggle for them. This gives those kids, the kids that like to share, the kids that like to further the conversation, um, a chance to, uh, you know, what you're doing is weirding me out, um, is like, it gives those kids uh, a chance to gain points also. Um, and and I like that. It's that that works for them. So th those are my reasons that I do that. Uh, Summer Tate is asking, would love any advice on how to deal with a student who consistently interrupts, uses profanity at me, steals and does little work? Um, you know, I think, gosh, there's, it really depends on the kid, but I would say my go-to would be creating um, a log of what's going on with that kid so that it's not like, uh, you know, I hate, look, in my own marriage, I've a long time ago, I have stopped keeping a record of the things that I thought were wrong, right? So I used to, when we first got married, it was like, if we got into a fight and I was like, you always do this. And then my wife would be like, I don't always do that. When have I ever done that? And then I'm like, Psh, well, on the 3rd of January, you had, you did this. And then on the 4th of January, you did this. Like I knew the date time of every single infraction that happened. Right. And so I now more naturally do not keep a tally of, of wrongdoings that people do. So it's hard for me to do this as a teacher, but I really think it's it's necessary to make sure you're creating write-ups, to make sure you're keeping the record. Because if something does go down, if it does come to a head, you have that record for, or admin has also to be able to say like, look, your kid has been written up 20 times in the last several months. These are usually the problems and there's there's something concrete there. That's the first thing I would do. Second is pull somebody else in, find a teacher that gets down with that student, or at least that student will really listen to or admin that would do the same thing. And I would sit down with two or three other people and with that student and formulate a plan. Look, this is what we're noticing. We want you to do the best that you can. Um, are you playing in the snow? Is it still snow? It's got to look like a water slide at this point. Um, so I think that that is like, Another thing that I would do, because it takes it off your hands. We as educators are a community, right? We are not the single person. And I'm not saying someone would ever try and be this person. Um, but like adjusting that too many times movies have lied to us. Books have lied to us <clears throat> where they've told us that you have to be the one and you have to handle it. And that every teacher like, look, the, the, the bottom line is that as educators, we became educators to teach, not to be cursed at, not to coerce kids into wanting to learn, right? Like if you become a gym instructor or like a physical fitness trainer, you are working with people that show up, pay you money because they want to get fit. As teachers, it's essentially people being dropped off the gym that don't want to work out, that you're being told that you have to make them healthy. And it's like, how? They don't want to get on the treadmill. They don't want to lift weights. They want to sit in the corner, eat free Tootsie Rolls at the front desk if you go to Planet Fitness. And, um, you know, that's it. They don't want to do this stuff. So it's like, how do you get them to do that stuff? Um, and it can be really difficult. So I think 
pulling in, pulling in from your community of educators and trying to formulate a plan together puts you in a position of offense, I think, than defense um, and doesn't make you look weak. It makes you look like you're willing to say, hey, look, this kid needs something more than what I can offer. How are we going to do this? Like, let's work together to figure that out. Um, my buddy Tracy Pinter is saying, I have former three. I had three former students charged with murder this week. Uh, the same murder. Tips on um, turning this into a teachable moment. Students are talking about it uh, and related to suspects. I would say, look, this happened with us uh, last year. There was um, a murder in Philadelphia and um, a former student of mine that didn't end up graduating from my school or anything, but like he was in my class, uh, was was part of that situation. And so I think, you know, or, you know, the four, five students got shot last year. We lost three students. I think there was five of them shot altogether. I think one, it becomes a space where you can just talk about it, create a safe space so students can share their viewpoints on it. And so that you can have an actual conversation about it or argument about it either way. I find that like, you know, I had a student last year, one of my students was killed. One of his very good friends came in the school was really, really upset. And the kind of kid that like is really good at holding the front, but he couldn't, he was crying in class one day and his mom decided that he was going to go, she was going to get therapy for him. And therapy in the community in which I teach is like, a, is doesn't exist. And, and there's a whole, there's, what's that? Yeah. Yeah. But like therapy is like, is seen as yeah a sign of weakness. Like you're, you know, along with vulnerability, along with all that stuff. And so I remember hearing another student, like I was sitting in my room. I don't know if they don't think I'm listening sometimes, but this kid goes, what do you mean you're getting therapy? You little bitch. Like that's only for pussies get therapy. And so I just remember thinking like, what the hell? Like we need to like set this straight. Like this has to be something we actually, I don't usually like saying language like that on my channel. So I apologize if that offended anyone, but um, it was a direct quote. So it's, uh, it's something that I think we have to show students that one, we are dealing with that anger too. Two, there's like, there's those feelings are going to come up and they're not going to end at the end of the week or the month or the year. They could be ongoing. So it's good to share that stuff, to have, feel like there's a safe space to talk about it. And then that helps you crush any rumors. It helps you feel out whether or not you feel like someone's going to retaliate. Cause that is always in the back of my mind when someone gets shot is like, is everyone going to make a bad decision now and start skipping school and trying to go out and retaliate or get back at somebody. So that is really important as well. So um, and then talking to kids about like, dude, do you realize like what just happened? Like this, someone, you know, in, in some cases I've had it, it's like this dude got mad over a girl, killed this dude, but there goes his whole life, like his whole life. And then just talking to kids about why and, and without judgment, what is the value in that? Do you think he's right or wrong? Would you have done the same thing? Why? Like, and then hashing some of that out is is everything, everything, everything. Sorry, that was a long answer. No, uh, but that was a really, that was a really needed question. Um, Tracy, let me know if you want to talk about that more uh, this week. We can do a phone call or something like that. Um, Jules G is saying, we often have terrible attendance. The polar vortex also doesn't, <laughs> the polar vortex sounds like, I get it, but it just makes it sound like the craziest thing. Like, can you put the light on out front so people can see our children? Uh, 
it, it just sounds crazy, like the polar vortex, like Lego Batman should be saying it. Uh, how do you deal with keeping kids on track with absences and complete refusal for actual homework? I think put your man pants on is what I tell my students. Like, look, if you're absent, if you are suspended, like, look, my guys know me. They know that I do not give a lot of homework. That being said, class time is crucial. If you were out and you're sick, I never send homework. If a parent ever emails me and is like, hey, my son's home, he has a stomach virus, like, uh, is, is there any work that he can do? No. First of all, you're busy vomiting already. Like, go be sick and get better. God, I wish our teachers did that. It's Marley right. came home. Our daughter was out with a fever and a sickness for you know, four out of the five days. She was really, really sick for a whole week. And all her homework came back and I was like, mm, nope. And I just threw it in the trash. Because as a parent, I'm just no. not doing it. Like, it, that's ridiculous. She's just getting over a cold still. Like, colds last like almost two weeks. Yeah, like, and when you're a little body, it's yeah, not like you're an I'm adult. Like, yeah, no. But I had a student a few years ago. Um, <laughs> I Kenyatta. feel like I'm the parent that all the teachers complain yeah. about. Kenyatta was a kid that like, I look, and I'm not saying I'm not better than anybody else, but I got along with this kid and he was the kind of kid that most teachers did not like. He was in that skateboarding accident, fell off of his skateboard and went head first into the side of a car, like dented the car. And he's a big dude. He's like a, if a Ninja turtle was riding a skateboard and fell head first into a car. Um, he was out for a month with a concussion, came back to school, and there was a new teacher at our school, and she was pissed off that I didn't give him makeup work. She had heard that I was just like chalked all of those grades, put in uh, excused for all of them in the grade book, and then just let him start from scratch. It's like if you're out for a month because you were hurt or because you were sick, like I'm not giving you extra work. Like just start now. Like you're not going to pass the year or fail the year. Like you might fail the year because – you don't do any of that makeup work, but it's like you have ongoing work to go back and finish all that is just nonsense. Now, look, with the temperature, I think you need to email me like you email me or create a Google Classroom or something along those lines. I've in the past had Instagram accounts I've put work on, Twitter accounts I've put work on, Facebook accounts I've put work on. And so the students are still responsible for all that stuff. I don't care if it's cold outside, because guess what? When you become an adult, like you still have to go to work. You still have to get things done. And if you want to do that from the comfort of your own home, I get that taking a two hour commute that some of my guys have when it's four degrees out minus 17 or whatever with the wind chill, it's not practical to come to school. It's dangerous to come to school, stay at home, whatever, just do the work. And it's not that much work to do. So I think just making sure kids have access to that work or contacting their parents and saying, look, if they're going to be out, like that's not my call, but here's the work and they need to be making sure that they're getting it done because otherwise they're just playing Fortnite all day. Um, it's not like they're at home, like, you know, doing something that's going to further their, their future. So I think that's what I would, how I would handle that. Um, I can't say this name. <laughs> Seven Zafia. I'm terrible. Seven. Seven. Uh, hey, good work. I need some of your thoughts on making sure that all goes smoothly while I'm out for two weeks as my dad is as a dad on maternity with my wife, maternity leave with my wife. So, uh, I, so look, here's things that have worked for me in the past. I think having a very clear expectation as to what's being done, what is happening with that work when it's handed in and 
you being open for like if kids have questions about it or need to connect with you, like being able to be that connection piece for students. Um, and that doesn't mean like burdening yourself. Like, look, you're having a baby. First of all, you're having a baby. Congratulations. That's me. Or your wife's having a baby. Um, so, but that's still awesome. Like, that's fantastic. So spend that time with your family. But if there are extenuating circumstances, I, if it were me, I would make sure that I was available to answer those questions. The other part is I have seen teachers, I've never done this, but I always thought it was great. I used to work with this woman in Camden named Miss Ash. And Miss Ash, when I was covering her classes because she was out for the day, would call in. I asked me to put her on speakerphone and then she would check in with the class. Everybody good today? Everybody got their stuff? Cool. Look, I'm sorry I couldn't be there. This is what's going on. Um, thank you so much for working hard. Make sure that you like hand this work in. And she would essentially say what the assignment was and when it was due. And then kids that had any immediate questions, like they didn't understand what was being asked. There goes a kid in a tank top in February. That's clearly too small. Um, they, uh, I just always thought that that was a really great move. So that's you know a possibility too. And then um, if you know who the sub is, make sure that they can contact you also, just in case there's any like glaringly obvious issues. And then I always put two kids that are responsible in charge of keeping up with my room. So like if I'm out, yo bro, I'm going to be out for two weeks. Can you make sure my plants are watered? Make sure my, my desks aren't jacked up because you know, if your classroom is a little bit messed up, it's going to get more and more and more and more messed up each day. I have someone come in and organize my stuff for me. And the dudes are always happy to do that. Uh, Maureen Simmons, who gave five pounds this evening. I love pounds. I remember first. Want to give pounds. I, remember, <laughs> I remember first time in London when we went to the ATM and I asked for a hundred dollars out and I got fifty pounds and I was like, "What?" I also remember going to McDonald's and it cost like thirty-five dollars. I was like, "What are we doing? <gasps> Eating steak?" Um, right. So Marine Simmons is saying, "I'm a student teacher who is afraid of standing in front of my fourteen-year-olds. They're just so intense and their behavior is just out of this world." How do I make myself more confident? I, you know, confidence just comes with, with time, right? So like, look, there's no like easy answer for this. It's either, um, I've been in situations where, you know, my first, one of my first classes I ever taught, hey, Marley, come here. Um, so they, one of the first things that I, I, classes that I had was like all of the football players and the basketball players in class together. They're also seniors and no one knows me. I got zero respect and I've never had that as a teacher ever in my life. And so I was six years in, um, I thought I was cruising. I was doing well at my old school. I had a lot of confidence. I go in. And no one's listening to me. No one cared about my jokes, about what I did, about the grades I was giving them. They didn't do any of the work. They didn't bring any supplies to class. They just listened to music. They cursed. They were fighting. It was a nightmare, a nightmare. And I just found that like one day, eventually, I just snapped. I was, it was just like not going to happen anymore. Um, and I just started like giving walking by too. Uh, I just gave like less of a crap that all that was going down. And I found that that strangely helped. Like, it wasn't like, I'm not afraid of, of you and what you're doing. Um, 
But I think, you know, when the other thing that you can do is find confidence in other areas of your life or focus on the kids that do want to do the work. And I think too many times, like I meet teachers and they say things like, I'm not sure if I want to teach anymore because um, I hate the kids. And I think, you know, sometimes I like the kids make me crazy, but I literally will say out loud in the morning. I just said this the other day. I just thought of all the kids that were making me crazy. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to flip this. And I'm going to think of all the kids that are delightful. I'm going to think of, and I said their names out loud, Miles and Joe and Kyle and Akers and Cheesesteak and Cephas and like um, Kent and the dudes that like actually make my day a joy and not just the kids that make my day a problem. Because I was having a problem with like, like only certain kids. This is not just this year. This is like for every year there's someone like that. And it's about trying to do that. I would also reach out to other teachers and say, look, this is what's going on. Um, How would you handle this? Right. I think knowing that you don't fully know everything yet because you're just a student teacher really, really helps you like in terms of like reaching out to someone, finding out like what is the best thing that you could do. Uh, helps. And then trying to find a mentor. Like, um, I think the other thing, you know, if I'm just going to keep adding resources on, I think, uh, go into the closed Facebook group that we have. And, and if you're in there already, I'm not sure, but like ask those questions in there and you might get decent answers from, from other people. So, but look, I swear, I swear it comes with time that over time, those disastrous personalities that you see after you've seen them for the 10th time in a row, you're like, dude, this isn't new. Like, oh, oh, we're Mr. Like talking over the teacher or like miss turned around in her seat, like cursing other people in the back of the room. Like you just learn how to handle it. And it's not so crazy anymore. You sort of become desensitized to it. But if you can be on the offense to do that, then um, you'll see that it just, you know, you get better and better at it over time. Uh, Jeffrey Graham is saying, can you talk about teacher burnout? I'm an introvert and find myself exhausted some days. And I'm also coaching too. First year teacher, by the way. What's the problem? The dog? The dog. The dog is hungry. So he just, to, he ask, to ask for food, he just starts licking the bottom of his empty bowl and then it makes this rattling noise. And then we're like, all right, bro, like we get it. You're hungry. Um, so, you know, Jeff, I would say teacher burnout happens to everyone at some point in the year. Last week was just a pain. It was like a lot of stuff going on in school, outside of school, personal stuff going on. And it is, it is, you know, it's dark out early. It's cold out. Like unless you are Kate to sleep a teacher and you live in frigging San Diego and it's like 60 degrees all year. Or the other day she texted me because she was like, it's freezing. It's 57 degrees outside. Um, I think finding things outside of school to do, not putting all your time and energy in, in school helps you. So I run or I'm swimming, or I'm riding a bike, or I'm doing hot yoga, or I make sure that I go out with my friends, even if I really, really don't want to, I still go out and like, get a quick drink or get appetizers with someone or go over someone's house or uh, go out with my wife to a movie and like, make sure that I'm putting in that time that levels things out. You know, when you just, I, I think fresh eyes are the best eyes. And so when you constantly are looking over something again and again and again and trying to figure it out, it's almost like beating your head against a wall. And when you step back, I think Leonardo da Vinci has a really great quote about this, but essentially it becomes like, if you can step back from the situation and get a bird's eye view of it, it 
things start falling into place because you're not just thinking about it all the time. I would say the best way to deal with teacher burnout is to first take care of yourself outside of the teaching world. Um, And that's just going to translate into everything else. When my morning routine is on point, I am way better of a teacher. When my evening routine is on point, I'm way better of a teacher. When I'm exercising, I'm better. When I'm being a good dad, a good husband, a good friend, that all ties into teaching because otherwise it's like you're just looking at this thing this close and you can't see anything else in your life. So you're letting in that kind of uh, goodness. Um, I don't know what this person is doing on there. There's Oh. Whatever the hell that is. Um, I don't know. I'm not even that? sure what that means. Anyway, uh, Freddie Gar Garnham. Freddie is asking. I'm a student teacher and I'm struggling with my time management. Any suggestions? Yeah, don't recreate the wheel, man. Um, Freddie, I think uh, one of the biggest mistakes teachers make is that they want to have some kind of crazy, new, innovative, um, awesome like lesson plan, and they think that they have to make that from scratch. They don't. Lesson plans are like recipes. Everybody has like a recipe for banana bread, right? But can you, what can you do to that banana bread that's gonna make it a little bit different? Maybe it's some little extra ingredient that you put into it that makes it like taste a little bit different than everybody else's. But maybe it's just the way you present it. Maybe it's the same old banana bread <clears throat> that everybody else serves. But instead, you're like the way that you put it out. Do you put powdered sugar on top? of? I don't know anything about banana bread, so I don't know if you put powdered sugar on it. But like um, <laughs> maybe it's like, you know, the drink that you serve with it. Maybe it's the way that you set your table. Like it can be the same old stuff that everyone else is doing, but how are you presenting it is going to be much different. There are three freshman English teachers in my school. And so Miss Woods and Mr. Wascom are great teachers, but they do not do stuff the way that I do, right? And that's not a diss to them. It's authentic to them. And so how are they going to authentically um, convey information or teach kids a particular thing. It's the same lesson plans I'm pretty much using, but it doesn't look the same. And so I would keep that in mind. So look up lesson plans online, look up stuff on Pinterest. Don't spend all of your money on TPT because there's tons of free stuff online. Uh, use the New York times website that they have tons of free lesson plans on there. Just type in New York times education or New York times lesson plans, tons of free stuff on there. Um, Go on the Facebook group, drop your information in there. What are you working on? What's the next unit? And then see what people have and you can get tons of free stuff. And that's, I think that's how you, the one number one way that you manage time and don't overcomplicate things. People like to make things way too difficult all the time where it's like, they have to make these crazy wild lesson plans. And it's like just a little bit of flair makes things different, makes it better than like you would have done it anyway. So that's what I would suggest. Uh, what are we looking at? Gunner Boy. Yeah, Gunner Boy 169 said, yeah, time management and teacher burnout are big issues. One way I try to reduce workload is to use pre-made teaching resources and adapting them instead of creating stuff from crash scratch. A hundred percent, dude. That's a, a, exactly what I would say. Um, let's, uh, what do you do? Oh, I was going to just, I wish I could like, I wish I could like Hard. see someone's comment and be like, yeah. Like I mean, it. They don't let you comment back to people. No, not in live like, chat. You can't really like annoying. do it. But I would like pin that comment because I think that that's 100% on point. Yeah. 
on point. Well, he asked you another question. Oh, Who? At the bottom. There you go. Uh, oh, so then Gunnerboy169 is saying, Reynolds, have you ever considered self-employment where you either tutor one-on-one or have your own classroom outside of the school, which does not limit you due to college policies? <clears throat> so, I, you know, man. so in in the book that I am uh, going to begin to write, I feel like I can share stuff that I don't look. I, I I've done a lot of things that I don't necessarily recommend other people do, um, but they've worked, and so I did them. So like I, when I worked in Camden, I did what I called super secret class trips. And it was like, look, I didn't, it wasn't, I just didn't announce it to the school because the school would do things like when I worked in Camden, I one time got some way, somehow hooked up when MTV contacted me and wanted me to go to like this movie premiere and to meet like the creator of the film. And it was going to be like this really big deal. I don't know how I got into this. It made no sense, but I just was ready to go had all the students picked out we were on our way that morning literally waiting for the bus like looking outside the door to see when the bus would pack up pull up i had lunches for everyone everyone's in their gear and the principal comes and tells me you can't take this trip now because we can't find enough people to cover your class and i'm like no you don't understand like not only are these people waiting for us i already have the bus i already have permission slips i already have students in their coats and he made everyone go back to their class and we had that trip canceled I another time had someone, four friends that were on Deaf Poetry, uh, the show that used to be on HBO, all just performed on Deaf Poetry. They were driving back. They were driving to Maryland. They were going to drive through New Jersey. And I said, hey, would you stop in my room and do a quick show? Like, could be one poem each. Stoked to do it. They were absolutely going to do it. And then I was told by the admin that because they didn't have clearances, they weren't allowed in the building to be able to do that. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. So instead, that night, they did a show in Philadelphia. I took, I showed up at the train station at seven o'clock or something. All parents knew that I was doing this. And about 35 kids showed up at the train station. We all got on the train at the same time, went to the same place. And it was a total hit. Like those students still talk about that trip to this day. Now, look, I didn't take them on a trip. I just happened to be in the same place at the same time as all those students. And then we went somewhere. Now, look, I don't recommend people do this. I felt safe doing this. I felt confident doing it. But I just think like when I'm thinking of doing stuff outside of the school, I've always been doing that anyway. It's I do it before school, after school, during lunch, on the weekends, like where we've done everything from have birthday parties at our house for students to take super secret class trips to invite people into the classroom or invite students somewhere on the weekend and say, Hey, there's this thing going on. If you want to go do it, like it's, it's dope. Um, rented space out on the weekends to do things like, like, I just think that there's a lot of room even within the confines of the education system, um, to do that. But, uh, I think if any, if I was to move on to any other job, it would be like mentoring or, or like just speaking and working with teachers to try and help them have the confidence to go and do some of their own crazy ideas that they're thinking of. Um, Dale, Dale, there's not a chance because I'm so bad with names. Um, but that's not a diss to your name. That keeps moving on. So Dale is asking, I am new to the casual teaching scene. I am quite fearful and unpredictable uh, of the unpredictability, uncertainty, and behavior management. Any tips? Dale, I think, look, man, 
When I think of so Tony Robbins, of all people, has this really great analogy where he says he brings someone up on stage and Tony Robbins is this oh, like motivational. Oh, all right. I'll go back to it in yeah. a moment. Just note it. Um, so whoever I skipped, I'll go back to your question in just a second. So Tony Robbins has this great thing where he talks about if you are, so someone gets on the stage with Tim, they hold hands, like lock, interlock arms like this. And then Tony Robbins is supposed to be fear. He says, I, or he is afraid the other person acts as fear. And that person pulls him wherever they want on the stage, right? Fear is directing Tony Robbins life at that moment. And he says, but what if instead of being pulled, you danced with the fear? And so instead, when that guy pulled him, Tony just kind of went along with it and started moving along with it. And I think the idea there is like to embrace the madness that you know it's always going to – there's always a chance of unpredictability. When you're in a room with 30 students, there's a problem on any given day where somebody didn't eat breakfast, someone got yelled at by their mom, someone was late to school, someone has shit going on at home. Like you learn to start dancing with that fear instead of letting it drive you and you get used to it over time, right? But the thing is, you're either going to get used to just kind of flowing with it and, and moving with it and not having it beat you down, or you're going to have it kick your ass. And and I, you know, one of another movie scene that I absolutely love, there's a scene in Fight Club um, in the movie version of it, it looks like this, because uh, the book's really great too, where Brad Pitt is getting beat up by this guy and he just keeps laughing at him and just keeps looking at him. And it's that same idea of like round 13 in Rocky where Apollo Creed thinks he beat Rocky and he's looking around and he has his arms in the air because he, he rock, knocked Rocky down. And then Rocky stands up, tells the ref to stop counting that he's good. And Apollo turns around, looks at Rocky and drops his head because he wore them out. And I think that that's as teachers, you know, as human beings, what we have to do sometimes is like when you feel like you've literally had your ass kicked, it is standing up, spitting the tooth out on the floor and then just keep going. Like you just are going to wear them out. And that's my mentality around that sort of idea. Uh, Vanna Banana. Man, I just want to say that 10 times. That's a great name. She's she might be vying against Shirley Martini for uh, oh, Shirley no. Martini's best name on the internet, but Vanna Banana is pretty good too. I just switched to a flipped classroom and now have a bunch of time in the class, a full 95 minutes. Uh, part of it is set to practice, but I still have so much extra time. What do I do? Um, I don't. So I'm not sure. So, is it sure. like is it time with students or is it yeah so flip classroom is like the students do the homework in class they do the classwork at home so a lot of times teachers will like make videos and the students go home and watch those videos and then they kind of like learn the lesson on their time so they're not doing it in class uh, I'm wondering uh, Van banana how much like is there any space to do projects in class or to do um, any kind of independent study, right? So whether that's independent reading where students are allowed to read whatever they want or to delve into something else a little deeper. So we've done lessons in the past where students either assigned a topic or allowed to pick a topic and we have to approve it because they can't just pick whatever they want because everyone always like gravitates toward the same thing um, or it's like not challenging enough. 
then the students research it and then their job is to teach it to the rest of the class. So that could be anything from grammar or punctuation usage to like how to have the best argument to like just a topic that they're interested in and they want to teach the rest of the class. So that I, that would be something that would be interesting. And it's empowering the students and saying like, look, we have this extra time. How about you guys start teaching other people? Because the best way to learn anything is to teach it. And I think that it would also give the students a sense of like um, ownership over the class. Like they get to do what they want to do. Uh, Shane Ridge is saying, why do teachers ignore students when they ask for help and try to fail them even when the students do the work? So um, Shane, that's a lot of question there. Uh, but I'm gonna say one. So I'm supposed to tell you, Shane, that teachers love their students and they would never try and do something like that. But we all know that that's probably not true all the time, right? Like, like I, I think all the people that are on here and in this chat might be able to answer that question in a number of different ways. Cause I think they all do like we're all, I think we all gravitate towards one another cause we, we don't want to be that teacher. Um, why do they do that? Look, man, I'm going to say a lot of it might come from, you know, teachers are, are human also. And when you get beat down by the school system, when you get beat down by parents, when you get beat down by students, it's hard to get up. It's hard to have the, that, that feeling to be able to stand back up and actually keep doing the job. Um, it's like being in an abusive relationship. <clears throat> and it's not always the students and, and the teachers, but it's the system. It's the being fed like what you're supposed to teach told no enough times that you're like, I don't want to be creative anymore. I don't want to do anything cool anymore. Um, I think that's what it comes down to. And so I think um, I, I lost that question. I wanted to see it again. Uh, oh, so uh, fail them even when the students do the work. I would ask the teacher that, but I wouldn't ask them in a blaming way. I think the best way to get information from people is to just be curious and say, hey, can I talk to you sometime at lunch? Like, I'd love to just like pick your brain about a few things and then say, look, this is this is what I'm noticing. Right. I might be wrong. Right. So I'm going to that's why you're saying you're noticing this, but <clears throat> you're not saying you're right all the time. All right. Christmas pajamas. Um, but you're saying this is what I'm noticing in class. Like, I feel like I'm doing the work. I feel like this is happening, but I'm failing anyway, or you're not grading the work. Is there a reason that that's taking place? And then that gives the teacher like a reason or a way to answer that back. Now you don't want to do that when they're doing something or when they're with someone else, right? The worst thing you can do is when my kids ask me like, dad, 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 but I'm like on the phone with the mortgage company. <clears throat> so be mindful of that. But I would just go in and ask, I think, look, bottom line is Shane, your whole life, your success in life is largely predicated on your ability to have uncomfortable uh conversations with people, whether that's in your marriage or in work or anything else. So going and asking, but asking from a place of curiosity and not um, a place where you're trying to crush someone, I think is the best move. Uh, Dale is asking, no, I already answered that question, dude. Oh, you did? Yeah. Uh, well, I, we skipped around, so now I'm all lost. Now you're lost. Uh, Matthew Keene? Uh, Matthew Keene is asking, long time. Long time lurker. Love the vids, Reynolds. Keep it up. Thanks, man. Uh, lurker sound. What's that in like Scooby Doo or something like that? No. The lurker. There's a profile we know with the name of lurker. Is there? Oh, oh. Stop. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, Matthew Keene is asking, I recently did a week of observation and wasn't sure uh, what was appropriate. The majority of the time, the kids were independently reading and doing and working on laptops. The teacher let me help a couple of kids, but what should an observation really, uh, which, but what should an observation observer really be doing? I think just taking notes. I, I, well, I think when I'm interested when someone comes in because it's hard to give someone a, a total glimpse of like what your class looks like in just one day because you could be doing any number of things. So I would say write down questions and just again, like not like damning someone or like questioning how they teach, but just instead questioning how they teach. Um, it's it's all you know that short, short like shift in, in perspective is looking at things and saying like, hey man. Um, I'm just wondering, like, why are the kids reading that? Or why are they on their their laptops uh, for this amount of time? Like, um, where do they get the, the lessons from? Like, you're just sort of asking for the why uh, of, of what's going on in the classroom. And I think that that's what I would be doing. It's just writing down questions and then um, ask any number of other things. And then I think over time, maybe like checking out other classes as well and then compare and contrasting them because what you're looking for is one things that you never want to do as a teacher and two stealing ideas like flat out going that's a great idea i love the way that they do that and i'm going to 100 steal it and put it in my classroom and so that's that's what i would be doing is looking for those two things and then asking um questions uh valerie Anna is saying i'm currently at the U at university to become an elementary teacher what skills do you wish your students would have had uh <clears throat> would have had nurtured more at a young age? Um, reading skills. Yeah, I think reading's everything. I, you know, one of the things I talked to my students about this week thing. is like, reading's everything. Like other classes are important in high school too, but nothing's more important than being able to read because you can literally get out of high school, be addicted to drugs, go to jail and get out when you're 30. But if you can read, you can reinvent yourself. If you can't read, then you that is a whole skill that you are like, it is the skill you're left behind on, right? So like, yeah, hold you back and everything. So um, learning how to read well, learning how to read uh, fluently, learning how to read and actually comprehend what you're reading and being able to, to like pull information out of what you're reading, connect your life to what you're reading. Like all those are, I think, I think reading, critical thinking, um, and confidence is like what we want to instill in our students the most out of everything. And I would say because she's at university, which, um, so I don't know if that's in the States or not, no. but yeah, probably not. Probably no. not. So I just want to say like, in that, I think like, at least in the States, when teachers are going to school to be teachers, especially elementary teachers, they don't really teach teachers how to teach kids to read. Right. No. It's a lot of like, long and short vowels do what they do because it's kind of like what they sound like instead of actually there's you actual, learn how to teach like, mostly vanilla kids and you never learn how right to teach so i would say like kids. as a person who's going for elementary ed it, i would immerse yourself as much as possible in learning about reading disabilities because that is the biggest impact that if isn't corrected or handled in elementary school, they never get there, which is why you have freshmen that read on a second and third yeah. grade level. So or even high if, school students or middle school students, like they just can't get past the second and third grade level if they have a real learning. The, the punchline there is you 
even if your classes aren't teaching you that, you need to teach yourself that. Like, yeah, well, that's that why book. I'm saying, like, Find you, you like, whether they teach it at university or not, it is one of the biggest things I think that you could probably teach yourself. And I'm sure you're very busy with everything that you already have to do. But like, yeah. like, there's literacy experts out there that can actually tell you how we should be teaching children to read, and we just don't. Train you should like scoot in when you say this stuff. No, because I took my hair out of my ponytail. So yeah, pretty pretty right now. I was just thinking that eyeball does <laughs> look lovely. Thanks. I'm proud of you. Ah, oh, thanks. If you were scary looking, I would tell you to stay in there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, what's the next question, dude? Oh, I, I don't know. I was talking, dude. dude. Um, <clears throat> feel coffee right now. Not coffee. You know, never mind. Like, um, <laughs> Kelly. Jenkins. Kelly, I've seen you on here before, and I feel like I always butcher your last name. So let's just go with Kelly J. Um, <laughs> Kelly is saying, I'm doing a collaborative project with a few of my colleagues, but there aren't any, but, there, but they aren't allowing to contribute or voice my opinion. Any advice on facing problems with colleagues? Um, wow, that's really interesting. Um, project with a few of my colleagues. Is it voluntary or is it like something you're being made to do? Because, uh, I mean, that would have something to say about it. And then other than that, um, I think warm. It's the last time I got warm in the house. <laughs> Gary V shirt on today. Uh, they, geez, I, you know, Kelly, I think it goes down to having the difficult conversation. And that is far easier said than done. But it is, it goes back to the same way I answered another question just a minute ago is like, I, I would go one-on-one -on -one with people and say, hey, look, we're in this thing together and we're trying to work this out. We're collaborating and we're teachers and like, this is what we're doing or, or students or whatever. Um, and I feel like what, what I'm seeing and tell me if I'm wrong is that when I try and share an idea or, or a bit of information, like it is not held within the same esteem as when other people are sharing. Right. So like, and then give them an example. And, and so I think sometimes folks look, they either are in fully aware of what they're doing and that it's wrong. And they're like, you know, who knows what they're thinking about you, but like they're either fully aware and putting them like letting them know that like, you're going to speak up, lets them know that like, you can't just do whatever you want. You can't say whatever you want. Like I'm going to put you on notice right now that I notice what's happening. The other thing is sometimes people are doing stuff and they don't even know that they're doing it. So there have been any, and I, you know, I always relate things to my marriage, but like there have been times when I've been literally pissed at my wife because I'm like, yo, you do this all the time. And it makes me crazy. And oh, now you want to, now you want to call them all of them. Um, but, you know, if I take her at her word and she says, I didn't even know that I was doing that. I'm really sorry. You have to, you can't, I never um, suspect ill intent, or what do I say? It's like, not suspect. Um, like, if you tell me, like, no, oh, I'm not mad at you, or no, I don't hate you, or no, I wasn't doing that because you were um, a woman, or because you were a man, or because, you know, like, if I, I have to take them at their word every single time, and then I just go on like like they were telling the truth. What is the word that we say all the I time? Speculate. So, yeah, I don't <gasps> speculate about anything, but I will say this is what this looks like. I just want to make sure that we're good, um, and I think learning, sort of callousing yourself to being able to have hard conversations is like one of the ways to find success in your life. Um, so I would just step to them and say like, 
hey, look, you might not even be doing this. I have no idea. But it feels like this to me or, or it's looking like this to me. What do you think about this? And that's how I would approach that conversation, um, no matter how difficult it is. And then you win. Either way, you win because you either put them on notice or you just let they were able to see something that they didn't see was there before. Timmy Gamer is saying, great uh, profile picture there, man. Um, how do you make your teacher happy? How do you make your teacher happy? Gee, so he's uh, saying that he's um, a student. Yes, he's a student. And he also said, so I'm trying to get good grades, but trying hard. Don't understand. Please help. I, you know, talk to your teacher. Yeah, I think the best way to like get down with a teacher is to show that you're genuinely interested or generally concerned. Things that teachers hate is like when um, when I have, so I don't do extra credit and I don't do makeup work, right? Uh, I might do extra credit on the front end and say like, hey, if you hand this in early, I'll give you more points. But there's never like um, at the end of right before like progress reports come out or right before report cards come out, there's always that kid with like a 19 that's like, oh, is there any work that I could do to like bring up my grade? And it's like, bro, you haven't cared at all. Like, I'm not going to give you makeup work now because that just means more work for me. And you're not, you're not learning anything. You're doing work to hand in, but you didn't like learn the material. And I think going in on the front end and just telling the teacher like a couple of things like, hey, I just wanted to see like if there's anything more I could do. And then also telling that teacher what helps you to learn. Like, are you audio? Like, do you learn by listening, right? Or do you learn by seeing things? Do you learn by doing things? Do you learn by talking to other people? Do you have a hard time with homework? Maybe you go to them and say like, look, like, like to be a hundred percent honest, I just don't like doing homework or I don't see the, just having that line of communication with a teacher, what that's going to do is make you look like an actual human being and not just another cog in the machine of school. And so you are creating that relationship. The cool thing that will happen also is that teacher will now become an actual human being because you're going to them outside of the context of just wanting good grades, but like trying to understand the system more and how things work. And that will change like what they look like in your eyes too. And I think that's as simple as that. And if the teacher's a good teacher, they'll roll with that. If they suck, they might just, I don't know, just continue to suck. But um, that's how I would handle that. So, and also I want to just say, yo, look, dude, like, good for you for trying to get in front of that, right? It's a Sunday night, you're asking a question like that, and then you go and try and do that. That's like something that like adults do. And I just applaud you for like having that proactive like spirit to go and try and do that with your with your teacher. That's awesome. Uh, Amy Russell. Hey, what's up, Amy Russell? I, I feel like I haven't seen that name in a while. Um, but I know who you are. And I remember your picture from the teacher appreciation video last year. Uh, I am in my second semester of my first year of teaching. And I really feel, I feel like I really struggle with transitions, like not from unit to unit. No, uh, like from unit to oh, unit. Like, oh, like from unit to unit. I have a script myself and I don't know how not to be super awkward. Mm -hmm. I think, gosh. Make it more awkward. Put some music on and dance. <laughs> yeah, but like, I just. I have no idea. It's like, so, what's the transition? I almost, I almost want to be in a school that makes me. I want all the limitations that everyone else has. I want you to have to be a high school teacher in in our school district because, because talk I about the hardest all the district to be in. But I, but I think my job is in some ways just as difficult, right? Because like, um, 
Because when you have too much freedom, when you have all the freedom you could ever hope for in a lot of ways, like, what do you do now? And and, and I don't have all the freedom in the world, but I just think that that's really uh, interesting. Um, I think the way that I would deal with that, gosh, Amy, it would almost help if I knew like exactly what you were talking about. Like, what was the situation? Give me an example of what's going on. Um, I, th- I just think there's fun spins you can put on anything, right? So like, you know, weird crap that I do in class that I just win with every single time is playing music behind reading. If we're reading something aloud, if someone tell, reads their journal and, um, and I play music behind it, if my kids and I, even when they were little, reading children's books, like, we would read Pete the Cat and I always play like smooth jazz behind it because I feel like that's the kind of music that should be behind <clears throat> Pete the Cat is smooth jazz. If we are doing a certain unit in class, like like playing music behind things just transforms the classroom, the moment, the day, because everything else is boring. And it's, you know, to teach social studies, by the way, mostly teaching chronologically, not thematically. So um, how can you, even if it's scripted, how can you pull in movie clips, video clips that even don't necessarily connect with exactly what you're doing? Um, maybe having something weird at the end of class. Like, look, if we get done, I'm going to give you these five minutes at the end of class to either chill or I have um, every Wednesday and Friday, you have like some weird video that has to do with something odd, right? So like last week, it was super cold outside. We watched a quick video about this guy, Wim Hof, who like climbed Mount Everest in, in shorts. Um, and it stayed submerged in ice water for over two hours at one point, like just bringing in weird stuff. And then that I, so what you're doing is just having little drops of little specks of like interesting things in your classroom and telling the students like, look, this, I have to teach this and this is the way I have to teach it. But like, look, to be honest, like, I'd like to like infuse a little bit of wonder in class. And these are the ways we're going to do it either by playing music behind something by having weird little videos by um, having kids, you know, I've had days where like kids, everyone had to talk like they were from like Australia or from the South, or we've had singing day where you have to sing every single thing that you say, you're not allowed to talk in class. You have to. So if you have to go to the bathroom, you got to sing it with your heart, man. Um, And that kind of stuff is just funny. And I think that's the way that you do is by just figuring out weird little things that aren't always tied to the, to the actual unit to kind of bring some magic or wonder. Um, um, Jessica, last question. Jessica Guthrie is on here. Okay, so two questions, uh, or two things are on here. If you have time this in this video, I do have time, Jessica, watch this. Uh, if not, I will ask in the next one. But we are a pay for performance school. Pay increases based on test scores. How excited I am about this already. Uh, and I'm nervous because my students don't test well due to ESOL issues and test anxiety, etc. cetera. Uh, so once scores come, not only do I feel bad, but they, uh, but they feel bad about themselves. Look, you know, first of all, oh gosh, I would say Jess, I would not concern myself with the raise. And I realize that that is a struggle. I realize that it's like. Wait, their personal raise? Yeah, I think that she said their paid performance. Yeah, their pay for performance school pay increases based on test scores. Oh, that's not fair. Yeah, so here's the bullshit with that is like, um, first of all, maybe when I'm 
rich and famous one day, I can just give you money and then you don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, and you can just teach and be authentic. Yeah. And tell your school to kiss your ass. Um, I, I think the other thing there is like, I, I just, I just wouldn't get caught up in that. I would say I, like, to me, it's like, don't give me a raise then, bro. Like, what do you want me to do? I'm doing the best I can look at the students I have, you know um, it's, it's crazy. Even Richard Royster doesn't like that idea. Right. And I said that in a way that like, I would expect that, that, um, it's not uh, on experience. It's whether or not you're in the 5%. That's or not. really awful. That's, That's complete BS. So I, I would say just like, I'd say I would look, I think the reason you don't let that even enter your mind or your, or your heart is because then you start teaching to the test. And then, then you're solely concerned on that. I would triple down on student engagement. I would triple down on wanting the class to be the best class ever. The way you deal with test anxiety is by just making the class the greatest class in the world anyway, right? Where you're still studying the stuff that's going to be on the test. You can still study how to take a test and all those things, but you're not, it is like the difference between, so let me break it down like this. When we play basketball at basketball practice, I may be the worst basketball coach in the world, right? But my friend, Mary Beth is an excellent basketball coach. I call her coach one. I'm coach three because I'm not even good enough to be coach two because I, I don't even know what the hell's happening half the time. But what I'm good at is telling kids to make angry faces and look at the other team like you're crazy. Or like um, to I go, look, we had a huddle the other day and Mayor was like telling the kids, like, look, make sure you're doing this. You have your hands up. You're getting rebounds. And I go and look and make sure. Guys, I don't want to see anyone biting anyone else out there, all right? I see a couple of you, and you got your angry face on, and you look like you want to bite another kid. Don't. You're going to get in trouble, and then we're going to look bad, all right? No one, no biting anyone. And then all the girls always look at me like, what are you talking about? Like, we want to bite anyone. And so I feel like here, here's the lesson in that is that I I want to have more fun than anyone else. I, I beat down anxiety by handing papers out with my tiny little hands that I stick into my sleeve by having a hand on a stick, by blowing bubbles. Like we're still learning all the same stuff, but the environment is more like a circus than it is like a a mental hospital and, or, or jail cell. Right. And so I think that that's how you do it. And then you find out what your kids' strengths are and what their weaknesses are. And then you hyper-focus on that and you hope for incremental growth. You try to move the needle as much as you can and never are you tied to what some score on a test says about your students, because we all know those tests are rigged and that they are not, they're just not fair all the time. And the example that I go to all the time is last year on the Keystone in Philadelphia, there, my students had to read a passage about manatees. And the question I got from all the students is, but wait, Reynolds, what, what the hell is a manatee? What, the, what is a manatee? I go, a manatee, bro, a manatee, like a sea cow. And they're like, what, what's that? How the hell can you answer a question about a manatee if you don't know what a manatee is, bro? How can you answer a question about a coral reef if you don't even know what a coral reef is? And so, you know, that's what I that's what I would focus on, Jessica. Um, and then, you know, we'll raise money and get you a raise at the end of the year or something like that um, based on how awesome you were and not how your test scores were. And looked. how you didn't teach to the God, test. I would suck. I wouldn't ever get a raise for the rest of my life if it was based on test scores. Um, that it? That's it. You're cool. Done. That's it for right now. Um, cause it, we're an hour and 26 minutes in and I do want to go watch the Super Bowl, even though the Patriots are in there. 
I don't even know why I say it like that. Look, I watched one year of football my whole life. It's been this year, <laughs> the Eagles, and that was because they won the Super Bowl last year, and I ended up really having fun and liking it. Look, gang, um, quick question for you before you go. One is, is there a teacher book out there that you think has not been written yet that you would love to see written? And I'm saying this for my own advantage, right? Because I I'm, I'm, have been tasked with writing a teacher book and I want to write that book. And so I'm just looking for what people are kind of thinking of. Um, two, if you haven't done it, like, look, if you want to keep this conversation going, I really think that the Facebook group, it's not even, it's something I made, right? Real Rap with Reynolds, Teacher Talk Facebook group. It's a closed group that I rarely even post in because I have a thousand other things going on, but it's like all of you finding your way in there, leaving really great stuff, asking questions, getting answers about really things that are close to your heart that you're not sure what to deal with. And it is a safe space in which to do that. Um, and I love it. So everyone, I hope you have the greatest night ever. And if you live in the U.S., good luck with all of your students tomorrow after they've stayed up too late watching the Super Bowl tonight. And if you live somewhere else, well, I don't know. Enjoy Monday. And uh, that's it, right? Yeah. All right, gang. Thanks for being here. And we will see you next week. Peace. Awkward ending. When I got to hit all these different buttons to end the show. And there it is.